This is uh, page guide theory three, unit two, part one, uh, doing ECG exercise in the back of the book. So we're doing uh, exercises 16 to 22. And let's start with 16. And uh, uh, Briar, do you guys want to do 16? Okay. I'm sorry? Yeah, just give the interpretation. Okay. We can we can always discuss the details later. Okay, so it's the sinus cardio with the core multiform PVCs with the heart rate of 120. Okay, good. So you can either, uh, I typically put the rhythm and rate at the beginning and then the FLBs at the end, but that's fine too. I wouldn't uh, have any issues. So we have four multiform PVCs, good. Anyone have anything different? Any questions about this particular exercise? No? Okay. How about 17? Oh, yeah, I didn't do 17. So 17 is just a sinus rhythm with aberrancy. We got a Y QRS and a P wave preceding each QRS. It's um, borderline first degree AV block. It's not quite first degree AV block, it's like 0 0.20, but um, oh, it's a sinus bratty. Sorry, my mistake. 0.22. So maybe first degree, debatable. Uh, okay, question 18. How about uh, Lydia's table? Not you necessarily, Lydia. It could be John or Crystal or Kendra. Okay, good, perfect. Yeah, so it's a new ventricular rhythm. So it's a Y-complex rhythm. There are no discernible P waves. The heart rate's about 35. Now, if you said 33, no problem. If you said 36, 37, no problem. As long as you're within, you know, plus or minus 3 to 4, <coughs> no big issue. Uh, so, yeah, it's a new ventricular rhythm. Now, this one uh, gave some people a little bit of trouble. Um, anyone want to take this one on? Yeah, Jake, go ahead. Thirty degree AV block with a rate of forty-one. Is that what the rest of you got? Yeah. So this is a little unusual. It's um, it's a narrow complex thirty degree AV block. So uncommon. Mostly, what you'll see are wide complex thirty degree AV blocks, but you may see narrow complex in pediatric patients, typically kids with cardiac anomalies. And es essentially, what's happening is is um, there's a block at the AV node or somewhere in the perinatal tissue. And the reason why the, uh, the QRS is narrow is because the, the focus at, is essentially the escape pacemaker side or takes over pacing. It's got to be somewhere in the bundle of his above the bifurcation of the bundle branches, right? Because the only way the QRS can be narrow is if it goes down both bundle branches simultaneously. The only way the QRS can be narrow is if it goes down both bundle branches simultaneously. <laughs> so it's got to be somewhere above the bifurcation here. Um, so you see that sometimes it gets. And, you know, when, when you're looking at P waves associated with QRSs, um, think of it this way. 
In a second degree type one, you've got to see a, a P wave that stands alone with a long PR before and a short PR interval uh, afterwards. That's the classic second degree type one. Second degree type two, where there's a P wave associated with a QRS, it's got to be consistent. And here there's no consistency. But the, the giveaway for third degree EV block is the fact that number one, the P waves are pretty much equidistant and they march through in the sense that they alter the QRS T wave morphology in a few different spots, right? So, so we see, um, we see, we see a P wave superimposed on the upslope of the T wave here. Oh, you can't see my thingy, can you? Anyway, second, second T wave in. Um, there's a P wave superimposed in the upstroke, and then there's a QRS uh, complex where the uh, at the end there it's altered by the presence of a P wave. So when you see them marching through, that's a third degree AV block. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, question twenty. There's no consistency. no consistency. Yeah, no consistency because they're disassociated, right? Okay, question 20. Who wants to take that up? Matt, Emily? Atrial flutter with a heart rate around 60 to 100. Uh, yeah, that's pretty reasonable. It The heart rate varies. The ratio of of flutterways to QRSs varies. And so I'll be extraordinarily flexible with whatever you put there, as long as your range isn't outrageous. If you said 80 to 210, that would be just too wild a range. You know, if you've got a range of 40-ish or so, that's fine. So uh, this is natural flutter. This is probably, just for your uh, information, um, when you see atrial flutter with an inconsistent flutter to QS ratio, it's a patient who's probably on a beta blocker or a calcium channel blocker that alters the AV conduction. And uh, if they're un unmedicated, typically you'll see a consistent flutter wave to QRS ratio, uh, but in this case we don't. Um, does that matter? Yeah, it's pretty relevant when you're talking to the receiving nurse. It's important to convey that information that it's an A flutter with an irregular rhythm, irregular rate. Um, if this patient <coughs> had a blood pressure at 70 systolic, uh, would we worried? Would we be worried about the dysrhythmia? And if so, why? If not, why not? So, if you had a, this patient with this heart rate and a pressure of 60, would you be worried about the A flutter? Would you be worried, maybe I should phrase it differently, would you be worried that the A flutter is the cause of the hypotension? If yes, why? If not, why not? <laughs> so how many, how many would be concerned that the, um, the A flutter it might be the cause of the hypotension? How many would say it's not the cause of the hypotension? 
<laughs> yeah, that's a that's okay, Briar. You're the only one who's right. So uh, the answer is we're not worried about a flutter being the problem. Because here's the thing, right? This is this is why I'm saying when you're interpreting rhythm, the rate's always got to be there. When you're conveying information to a physician over the phone or a nurse over the phone or a nurse over the radio, the rate tells you whether the rate is a culprit or something else is a culprit. So you've got a rate of 96 with an A flutter. The rate's not the problem. The A flutter, neither here nor there. Like, you know, is cardiac output going to be diminished because I've got atrial flutter? Yeah, only marginally. Not to a pressure of 60. If they've got a pressure of 60, something else is causing that profound hypotension. It may be pump failure, it may be hypovolemia, it may be distributive type of shock, but it's not the heart rate, right? Now, if the heart rate was 200 or the heart rate was 30 and they were hypotensive, then we'd definitely be concerned about heart rate related hypotension. But when you got a heart rate that's in the normal range and hypotension, look for other causes of hypotension. That's the key, right? So a flutter, yeah, it's abnormal. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's an irregular ratio. But think about the heart, the ventricle, which is a QRS, right? The ventricle is contracting at roughly 90 beats per minute. So it's not the rate that's the problem. It's got to be a volume problem or a tank problem or a pump problem. You know what I mean? Pork and bean, ruptured spleen. So good. Yeah, I mean, the rhythm's abnormal, but I wouldn't be too worried about it being the cause of hypotension if this patient was hypotensive. All right, 21, uh, who would like to do 21? Chelsea, you guys want to do 21? Third degree AV block with a heart rate of 25. Yeah, I got sort of 18 to 20, but 25 would be fine. Um, so the QRS looks like it's wide, just marginally wide. It's a little hard to tell, but what matters most importantly is you got P waves that are completely disassociated from the QRS, and you can see the P wave alter the QRS T wave morphology. So for example, in, um, in the first beat, you can see a P wave superimposed on the upstroke of the T wave, and then you can see a P wave on the top of the T wave over here, and uh, you can s in the last beat, you can see the P wave in the ST segment. So the P waves are just marching through. So that's a third degree AV block. Now, if this patient had a pressure of 60, would you be thinking that the heart rate is the cause of the hypotension or something else? <laughs> I think it'd be safe to say the heart rate's probably the cause of the hypotension. Now, you can't rule out other causes. Could be pump failure as well. You know, uh, especially when you see a third degree AV block like this, this might be a patient having an acute myocardial infarction. So there may be some degree of pump failure and a heart rate problem, right? Because typically when you see third degree AV blocks in the field. This is a patient who hasn't been identified with a STEM yet or hasn't been identified with an MI yet and is gonna be a pacemaker candidate for sure. And so you may be dealing with third degree AV blocks secondary to cardiac ischemia or myocardial infarction, right? So you may be dealing with uh, two things. You know, um, heart rate is very low contributing to the hypotension and they may have some degree of heart failure as well, pump failure. Does that make sense? Right, right. So uh, if you had this, this guy with a pressure of 74, um, 
what would you do for him? <clears throat> Let's say he's a 69-year-old male out golfing, and he feels weak, SOB, and a little bit of chest pressure that he rates a two on, oops, a two on 10. And he's a little pale, and he's diaphoretic, one plus. And he's got a BP of 74 systolic. And uh, just for shits and giggles, as John would say, he's got an SPO2 of 96%. So tell me what you do for this guy. Yeah, Keegan? Call for, call for ACP backup for sure. And consider fluid Yeah, consider fluid. What do we want to rule out before we give him fluids? Clear yeah, clear chest, exactly. Oh, I love you so guys. You guys are so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, you guys are rock stars. Beautiful. So yeah, start an IV, chest is clear, give him fluids for sure. Um, how much fluid can you give this guy? How much? What do you think? 20 cc's per kilo? 10 cc's per kilo. Technically, it should probably be 10 cc's. I would start with 10 cc's per kilo because he's cardiogenic, right? Cardiogenic shock, it's 10 cc's per kilo. So you can start with 10 anyway. Now, most infarctions involve the left ventricle, so this guy's at risk of going into failure and pulmonary edema, so we want to be cautious with the fluids. Oxygen, yes or no? No, no probably not. Um, uh, but he is short of breath. If you're going to give him oxygen, how much would you give him? Yeah, nasal cannula, two liters, sure, that'd be reasonable, yeah, yeah. So, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, 12 lead or no 12 lead? Yeah, 12 lead for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah chest pain. Yeah. Well, they should be the same distance, yeah. They're not exactly the same distance, but they're close. They're fairly equidistant. But there's always going to be some P-to-P wave variability, um, but they're pretty close. Did you take Did you take a piece of paper? you got to tell me when my, my skin is showing. You know? <laughs> Have you heard hashtag I've got your back, you know? <laughs> you know, where you say, Rob, you've got food in your teeth, or there's a booger hanging out your nose, or your fly's undone. You know? Um, so did, did anyone take a piece of paper and map out the P waves? No. no? I did. Did you? And did they map out? No. <laughs> were they close? Were they close? Super close. Okay, yeah. There's like one that was like... Okay, so they were super close. Yeah. Okay, good enough. That's all that matters. Okay, good. <coughs> all right. Let's look at 22. Uh, who wants to do 22? Lucas... Rihanna, do you guys want to do 22? 
All right, number 22, exercise 22. Yeah, that was beautiful. So sinus tack, heart rate of about 120, 126, somewhere around there with a couplet and uh, a short run of VT. Yep. So now um, you can measure it out and say there's a two second run of VT or, uh, or just say a run of VT with uh, one, two, three, four, five consecutive beats, whatever you like. Um, now, what kinds, of, um, what kinds of signs and symptoms do you think the patient might experience with a run of VT that length? Any thoughts? Probably not going to syncopize. It's a pretty short run, but that's a reasonable guess. So I think it's important to think down those lines. They could syncopize. Uh, it's hard to say though, but I would say given how short it is, probably not. But short of syn syncopal episode, yeah, Brianna? Yeah, lightheadedness, maybe mild shortness of breath, maybe a little like what the hell's going on, you know, palpitations. So, so yeah. Um, now you're only seeing a single strip and your interpretation is based on the single strip, nothing else, because you can't see anything else. But over the course of you know, a few minutes, what you'd want to do is um, find out how many runs of ETAC they're having, how long the runs of ETAC happen, and what are their signs and symptoms, right? Much the same as sinus arrest, PSVT, you know, how often do they happen, how long do they happen for, and what are their signs and symptoms when they have them. Uh, ACB backup or no? Wouldn't be a bad idea to call for ACPs only because, excuse me, when you're seeing that level of cardiac irritability, couplets and runs of VT, there's always the potential they could go into a sustained VT and be hemodynamically unstable or deteriorate into ventricular fibrillation. So the big question is, you know, like, why are they having runs of VT? Like, it suggests some level of cardiac irritability, and why are they having cardiac irritability? Is it cardiac ischemia and they're at risk? Is it uh, some other thing going on with their heart, like a myocarditis that puts them at risk? But but when you see that much ectopy, there's a slightly higher risk they may go into cardiac arrest and you know probably a good idea to call for ACP backup under those circumstances. Okay. All right. Um, so if you want to take a bio break, by all means go 